time for the Super Coach Professionals Roundtable Podcast. And here's your hosts, Paulie G, Ryan MX, Peter Hanscom, and Andrew Muldock Molinaroli. It sure is time for our uh, next edition of and our final um, preview. Because next week, of course, we are underway NRL in action, just a week and a half away now. I am Paulie G. I'm joined by Ryan MS. How are you, Ryan? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Also joined by Peter Hanscom. How are you, Pete? Oh, I'm very good, thanks. Paul, how are you? Very well, very well indeed. And Andrew Mullen-Rolly, not with us again this week, but... Uh, should be back very soon. In fact, we're planning a special one-on-one because we're doing the head-to-head um, information or in-depth this on tonight's podcast. So we'll be doing a one-on-one with Andrew where he can give his thoughts on that. That'll be up on the website, www.supercoachpros.com. And I am very pleased to announce uh, a person joining us now, a new uh, cast member, Pat Lyons from Coogee Bay Health and Injury Care, to talk specifics about injuries. How are you, Pat? How are you, Pat? Good, Paul. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Getting so close to the season now. Very excited and, uh, you know, hoping, hopefully to get a few little insights from you in regards to a, a couple of players that had uh, off-season or, in Sean Johnson's case, mid-season last year's surgery and, and how, their, how their progress is going and, and what you, you su- suspect could happen from a sort of medical background. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I've, you know, we've had a look through the, the quick history for Sean Johnson and I think he, he looks like he should be on track to... It sounds like everything's tracking as you'd expect and, um, you know, no dramas through the nines and so I'd expect him to be able to play, um, you know, probably not 100% straight up, but I don't think the injury should be hampering him too much and uh, in, in, out of the season. In regards to, you know, coming back from sort of a, a fairly serious injury, it sounds like he was ahead of schedule. I heard last year them saying, you know, nines would be a stretch and suddenly he's back playing. I know he, he took a knock in the in the final, didn't seem related to the broken ankle. Is there other things that you would say, you know, to, to your clients in regards to, well, you know, don't expect that you're going to be running at full tilt or maybe the agility, you know, Sean Johnson's such a dynamic player. Is it? Are we now looking at those things from a super coach perspective? Maybe he won't be able to put up those big numbers because he, he'll be he'll be playing a little yeah. bit within himself. Well, that's probably fair enough. I think that, say, you know, it's now, what, how many months on down the track? So it's six, seven months down. Um, the injury itself would be strong. The structures would be good. And it's just a matter of him of getting his... Um, his coordination and really his confidence back in testing it out to its full potential. I guess you can only really do that by playing, so um, it might take him a few weeks to really hit his stride, but I think the injury is safe. It's just a matter of getting his confidence back. Oh, that is music to a lot of Supercage owners' ears, I'm sure, particularly with the fact the Warriors don't play. Uh, obviously, he won't be playing Origin, so, you know, around that time of year, it's always good to have Sean Johnson in your lineup. And if you're in the 20-team leagues, you know, it doesn't start um, going in earnest until round four, so I guess you can even absorb him if he's not at 100% straight off the bat. A little bit different story for the Canterbury fullback, Brett Morris. He's sort of one of the main fullbacks we'd probably be looking at going into the year, but um, 
what was supposed to be a routine sort of knee clean out at the end of last year has turned into something pretty more serious. It, you know, as, as a layperson, it's a bit hard to sort of understand what, what's going on there. Pat, can you sort of explain it to us? Yeah, it sounds like they, um, from the newspaper report, it sounded like they went in to do a fairly standard sort of cartilage clean out and then found more damage than they expected um, and then decided to do a, a stem cell injection with the idea is to inject some stem cells and... Um, kind of promote the growth of new cartilage cells in the knee, um, which is fairly new in Australia. When I've chatted to surgeons around me, there's not it's not a really commonly done thing yet. Um, so, you know, it's kind of in a trial stage, so it's going to be a bit of an unknown quantity for how how well he responds. And um, it's from the sound of things, he's, his recovery has been a bit delayed so, as it is already. So, so that's interesting, uh, interesting to hear because... You know, a player pretty much in in his prime, going with some sort of trial surgery that hasn't been really done. I was having a little read through some of the, just briefly some of the trials that have been done, the, the research trials that have been done, and I don't think many have involved um, high level athletes or testing out right. that kind of surgery um, in, in the way it will get loaded on a rugby league field. So, yeah, it's um, it's a sort of wait and see. It's going to be interesting to follow how, how it pans out. Yeah, and Des has a saying, yeah, he'll be right for round one, but everything else that, that we read says the opposite. And I think when you look at good fullbacks like Tavasa Sheck, James Tedesco out there, I think maybe Brett Morris, you, you, with information like this, is so unknown, is it? Maybe we're saying, let's look yeah. elsewhere in your super coach lineup. Um, if he comes back, when he comes back, you can worry about whether Yeah, you might know, give him a there. few weeks to, to put some. To get into form, um, but it'd be it'd be hard to choose him straight away with with the recent history and then not really knowing how these surgeries pan out because they haven't really been done very much. So um, yeah, it's a it's a funny one. Pat Lyons, that is terrific information, and I hope you're out there, you know, just getting that added. Added on top of uh, of the other stuff that we offer now with the injuries, could you Bay Health and Injury Care is where you can go and see Pat. Look, and it's not just for sporting injuries; it's for common. Maybe you've got um, back pain resulting from you know maybe where you're sleeping, you know neck pain as well. Common things that Pat can help you with. Could you Bay Health and Injury Care? You can find it on the website. You can find it on our Facebook page there as well. A quick link to see it. We recommend it, Pat, Matt Moyle and Robbie Farrow. There's some big names um, that, that we've got to talk about next week. So uh, we'll, we'll tune in with you then and uh, get some updated information on, on another couple of big-name players that uh, could be out for a while. Yeah, I look forward to it. I'll make sure I do my research and um, see what information we can dig up. We'll talk to you then. Thanks, Pat. Have a good All right. week. Thanks, mate. See ya. See ya, bye. And if you go to Facebook uh, backslash Coogee Bay Physio, you can go and like Pat's uh, Facebook page there as well. Something definitely worth doing at the same time that you're liking our Facebook page, Supercoach Pros, there on Facebook. Brand new for 2016. Let's get into it now, guys. The World Club Challenge or the World Club Series uh, happened over the weekend. 
the Aussies pretty dominant in all three games. Not sure how much of a takeaway we get from it. Cowboys, I think, 38-4 winners. Broncos, 42-12 against Wigan. Cowboys beating Leeds, of course. And the Roosters, 38-12 over St. Helens. Uh, Ryan, all three teams were dominant, but could you still take something away um, from a Supercoach perspective? Yeah, definitely. With the Roosters, um, uh, well, I guess their Supercoach cheapies did really well. Um, you know, all the young guys uh, performed uh, actually very, very well. Jackson Hastings, um, I think, was probably the best of them. And, um, yeah, he's a cheap price currently, about 133 He's going to go uh, right up in those first three rounds. So even if you're not planning on playing him, get him in your team and you make, himself, make yourself some fast cash, I reckon. And that's the thing, isn't it, with um, Jackson Hastings? I mean... I still, you can still see it, the roughness, the rawness there. Um, for me, the three games, Broncos were the most dominant. And there's a reason why they're the favourites, you know, going to this year's competition. Even though all score lines were similar, they were definitely uh, more dominant in their display than either the Cowboys or the Roosters. But so many cheaper cheapies for the Roosters, even if... Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't. I think. I think if they played like they did against St Helens, they'd actually lose to most NRL teams. But Hastings kicking goals. He's there. He's going to play eighty minutes. Um, Nikarama looked quite good in the six. Latrell Mitchell looked really good on the wing. They may need to think about eventually moving him to fullback. Blake Ferguson uh, dropped a bomb at fullback. Looked, looked a little uneasy under that high ball, and, and every NRL team would have noticed that. Um, Pete, you know, were the takeaways for you, the Cowboys, is reasserting their dominance, although they had to do it the hard way. Is, is there a standout? Um, was there a standout for you, Kyle Felt, perhaps? He did play very well. His, uh, his try in the right-hand corner there sort of was, uh, I'm sure, brought back pleasant memories for him of the, of the end of the grand final last year, or grand final in regular time, I should say. Uh, yeah, the Cowboys took a little bit longer uh, to, to get away from their opposition. Uh, scores were... Were pretty close there for about the first 25 or 30, but then they asserted their dominance. Uh, their whole team, like they named their grand final 17, and, and they played well across the park. As you said, Cole Felt uh, was a good value one uh, to watch this year, particularly in terms of super coach, I think. Um, you know, you, we've spoken about Jonathan Thurston and Tamalolo, and you can keep talking about them for ages, but yeah, keep an eye on blokes like Cole Felt and maybe even one of the young centres there, like Kane Leonard might uh, step up a, a grade a little bit this year as well. Yeah, I was impressed with Kane Linnett, actually. Um, look, anybody playing outside Thurston, as we've said before, is, uh, it, you know, is worth a look, supercoach-wise. Trials, um, Parramatta, pretty dominant over Penrith, 22-8. The Tigers and the Sharks shared a 30-all draw, although... The Sharks were probably stronger when the main squads were out there, to be fair. Raiders uh, all over the Knights early. The Knights came back in the second half. It was 34-28, the final score there. The Dragons, 46, walloping the Warriors, 10. The Dogs, 20, shutting out the Storm, nil. And Souths, 22, Titans, 20. And, and in the game, I guess they had to make up a, a, another team, and that was Ipswich from the Queensland Cup, um, pretty much routed by Manly, 58-nil. What were your takeaways from the trial games, Ryan? Any any standouts? Um, look, no real standouts as opposed to uh, confirmations, um, like the Sharks when they did have their first their first 
well, they're close to first string team in there. Um, they look quite strong, um, and James Maloney is really going to help them out this year. But the thing that did surprise me with the Sharks though, was um, Chad Townsend. Um, he's definitely going to be that settling influence that they um, that they lost, um, or I guess swapped with the uh, Warriors in um, Robson. It's interesting watching a lot of these trials, at least to the first half, and we're starting to get a gauge of, of what coaches are thinking in terms of this, their, their um, top 17 and starting 13s. Uh, we're actually going to go into detail into the, the teams and, and publish that separately on our website and on iTunes there at www.supercoachpros.com. So make sure you stay tuned for that later in the week. In the meantime, I think Jordan Rankin definitely uh, looks like, and especially Justin Hunt now went down injured, but he was targeted um, a bit on the wing in the first half. And Rankin there looked a lot more solid, uh, good goal goal kicking, although he did miss the, the match winner. He got it the week before, but he missed that one. But uh, that's an interesting one there, I think. And, and you look at Penrith, they're still a bit unknown. Bryce Cartwright coming off the bench. I think that's going to be an interesting one. And... Um, Parramatta, you know, their new look forward pack, I think that's starting to, to formulate now. And, and that's what we're going to discuss in detail there with all 16 teams. And, and there's something we can we can keep doing as the, the teams get named. Moving into 2016, uh, we will keep moving along to our in-depth topic of the week, the head-to-head format. Last week we talked about draft. Next week we're going to go in-depth into overall um, trying to win overall. Got a great um, interview lined up with uh, somebody who finished top five in the very first year of the Supercoach and knows what it takes to, to win it all. And basically, he's uh, going to share his secrets with us and with you, the listeners. So do not uh, do not wait for that one um, because it's going to be it's going to be a cracking interview that we're going to put in next week's show, the last one before the season kicks off in earnest. But in the meantime, head-to-head formats. Now, this is a bit different, particularly if you're playing the 20-team uh, league there on Supercoach, because it doesn't start to round four, so it gives you some options heading in to round four of how you want to play it. Also, you probably, if you're not worried at all about overall, I mean, obviously, if you're trying to win, do well in both, you do differently, but you're probably not trying to finish first which may sound counterintuitive, but coming from 4th, 5th, 6th is the ideal place to make your run in any head-to-head league. And so what you're really doing is trying to find those cash cows, trying to find those those guys that are going to build you up. You're trying to balance your, your teams, getting through those bye weeks, that, and, and you're trying to save as many trades as you can towards the end. A lot of these are, are different to overall. Overall, you know, we'll talk about it more next week, but you, you might use a lot more trades earlier because you're trying to really develop that cash. Um, you're not so much worried about if you had to burn a trade to bring a guy back in that you'd trade it out because you made money on him, which is so important in overall. In head-to-head, you might be more concerned with, no, this is the team that I'm kind of running with and I'm not going to chop and change as much. But it all depends on the league you're in, of course, as well. Uh, buys are very critical in both um, and, you know, we're looking at the, the teams that have buys that aren't on origin. The Eels are the only one to, to miss both this year, so we'll be targeting them. They've played well. They won the nines, playing well again in the trial there against uh, Penrith. So there's a lot of names you could target. You could target up to six names for Parramatta, um, considering how friendly their their buys structure are. And, and also, as, as we were saying, 
holding onto those those trades as long as you can. Any week that you can get a W, you can get a win. Maybe playing a weaker opponent, you can get away with saving saving trades. Do so. Um, we'll start with you, Ryan. Head to head format. What are your your keys uh, basically to to getting into the the home stretch, the playoffs, and beyond? Yeah, my um, I think the main thing is for me is um scouting the other team. Um, and this is not so much um, in the early rounds per se, but as it, as it goes along, you'll find that people will tend to get a little bit of, um, I guess, fatigue, super coach fatigue, um, yes. and not check their teams or, um, you know, not check, their, uh, not check how many um, guys might be injured or might be out or, or suspended or whatever else. Um, and so you scout that other team and you might think, well, Jesus, as you were saying before, I don't, I don't have to use the trade here. Um, my, my team, you know, I've got 17 guys playing. They've only got 13. I'm sweet for this week or whatever else um, the case may be. But I think that is a big thing. I think my, my other big key is um, you, win them, you win it on your consistent players, not so much you guys who dominate and score massive because they're not going to do that every single week, but you guys who put up 60s and 70s um, each, each and every week are the ones who are going to win it for you. So... I think if you can, yeah, get a few, get a core bunch of consistent players and then uh, litter that with um, guys who can go big on any given day. And I think you've got a pretty decent strategy there. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it a lot. And and definitely, as you're saying, as the season goes on, you're really starting to analyse those opponents and those rounds. You want to go into that first buy. You want to be pretty solid with 17 guys, or at least 15. So you are looking at that, but it still depends a lot on your matchup as well. It's very critical that if you've if you've got a matchup where you can win that game and you don't need to use the four trades that are available that week, then don't use them. And the mid and the mid round trades can come in handy there, where if you're starting to get worried, you haven't used your trades for that week, or maybe only used one, you can always trade out one of your guys that are on by because they're available to be traded out up until the final game. Find a player or two that uh, might get you some, some of those points as well. Uh, Pete, how, what is your strategy going into round one, formulating your team with an eye to, to making the playoffs and beyond? I, you know, I think you guys have sort of pretty much taken the words out of my mouth. I was going to say exactly uh, what Ryan said about analysing your, your uh, opposition and that the smartness of, of not having, um, you know, your inconsistent players, it's all, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a long season to use a rugby league cliche. It's, it's not going to get one in round one. You do need your consistent players. Um, and, 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 you know, follow right through to the end. It is important. Um, one thing I think came through in what Ryan was saying is that you need to be informed. Uh, have a listen to our show. Keep an eye on the, on the media and so on about who is who is in and who is out each week. Not just uh, don't look at your own 17, but have a look at your opposition 17. And, you know, just say, you know, for example, if they've got a particular forward, you know, if they've got David Clemmer at the moment, for example, um, and they might not have realised that Clemmer might be out for a couple of weeks, um, you know, keep an eye on that. As he said, don't use your trades in unnecessarily. So it's all about being informed and sometimes making your decisions very late uh, keep an eye on late team changes, and that's why I said keep a listen to us. 
Ryan, I, a very important part of, of head-to-head is having that nucleus of players because you, you, you don't want to... You've got 40 trades, and if you end up trading 25 names out, you're too different from where you start. You know, it's going to be very hard to win. But when do you really start formulating your nucleus of your team to say, these are the guys I'm going down the home stretch with and I'm just going to try to bring in other big-name players, trade maybe a two-for-one here or two-for-one down the track or use those Origin four weeks to to really bolster all the cheapies that have made you money earlier and and for those big, big prices, big, big names – when does it become critical that this is this is sort of the team that you're you're going in with come finals time? I probably think around Origin two is the best time um, because you get a feel of who's going to be in those teams, and you also get a feel of there's still going to be a number of good players who are going to play week to week. Um, you'll you'll have an idea of who's got what buyers when. You'll be able to. Um, you know, sort your strategy into into players that you're going to target to get and what rounds you're going to get them. And then by the end of that origin period and then by the end of that, end of that, end of the buys, you're going to have that nucleus of guys and then you can um, start with trades in hand and start really, really cracking into the, to, to the big earners um, and those big game players um, as, as the run into the finals happens those points start start becoming um, quite, at, at quite a premium, and those uh, and those big big name players uh, are going to get you those points. Um, so yeah, yeah, and and the other thing that you hear towards the end of a Supercoach year, I know we're a long way off it now, but it's important to know that this full scope of, of where we go uh, or start from to where we go to is point of difference players. Pete, I'm just wondering, you know. In some cases, having a point of difference is a little bit overrated because you're so desperate to find someone different from everyone else that you end up you know, using up your last trade on a guy that, that's speculative. But at, towards the end of the year, are there guys where you can say, where you can look at and you can say, if I bring him in now before everyone else is, is thinking about him, he's going to help me or a couple of guys are going to help me point a difference through to win my league? Yeah, that's that's the big question, isn't it? Um, trying to think a couple of weeks ahead um, with a player like that. Um, I, I know um, I, I spoke to a couple of friends last year, and uh, one of the players who really came on, who sort of came out of the blue, but if, if people have been watching closely enough, someone like a, a Jake Granville in some competitions, when he came in, you know, just out of nowhere sort of thing, he would have been a, a good pickup like that. And if you, once again, I said, if if you're informed, keeping an eye, don't just uh, keep an eye on your um, on your normal first graders, but on the on the second graders as well. It can take a little bit of time, but it, it can be often worth it to do that. It, it, it depends on your situation. You've got to be very careful that you, in terms of chasing your point of difference, that you don't lose. It depends on where mm. what your position is, what you're prepared to risk. Well, we saw it with Sean where Lane last year, run? didn't we? We saw him come through when people were desperate for, for, for some, someone a bit cheaper. But by playoffs, by Supercoach finals, he tailed back off. It's very hard to find those big differences late in the season. You're more likely to find them earlier That's in the right. year. And you have to really weigh up 
that when you when you when you're doing your trades, and obviously you want to save as many trades as you can, but early on's where you'll get your big money earners, where you'll save yep. money on guys that have tanked early, and and these are things we'll talk about next week more when we talk about overall because they're absolutely critical to doing well overall. But it will also be where you get you'll find guys out but diamonds in the rough basically and so it is important even though you want to save trades is that hit the early on is where you'll really make big differences and later on you want to have that nucleus and you don't need to be too concerned about point of difference players but maybe just a couple of trades up your sleeve here or there that maybe you've been able to save around origin time um when others are sort of scrambling to fit their their um teams in that's right. It's best to it's that balance where you you want to have a little bit left so that you can actually um, buy someone if someone comes along if you've got a couple of trades left. But at the end of the but you don't want to sort of get to the end of the season and and be just missing out and having some trades left and thinking if only. So yeah, it's a very fine balancing act. Before we move on to uh, the next uh, the topics as we have to do as we're just running a bit at a time here we are going I am going to do a one-on-one and this is something we're looking at doing more and more through the season as it as topics come up with Andrew who as I said earlier can't be with us uh, tonight but this will be posted later in the week where I ask him some specific questions in regards to head-to-head you can you'll be able to find that on our website www.supercoachpros.com or on iTunes there just need to go through the buys quickly uh, the Broncos um, having both playing the first origin round 12 is the first uh, origin sort of bye week they'll play in that but then 15 and 18 they'll have a bye um, most of the teams actually have two buys over origin the knights are the, are the same one as the, the same draw as the broncos essentially with buys in rounds 15 and 18 the panthers missed the first two origin games the rabbitohs split one and three um Seagulls also one and three. The Sharks the first two, and one and three for the Storm, Titans, and Warriors. Where you'll get some differences, uh, the Bulldogs and the Cowboys both miss um, round fifteen, the second Origin game, but round nineteen, so they'll be playing on round eighteen. It's very important as well. Um, round nineteen is that extra two teams on by, and this year it's the Raiders and the Tigers, so they're also um, round fifteen, round nineteen, so the second Origin game. So you'll get some value with those four teams, but you've got to be careful that you don't use too many players from those four. I would suggest one to two players from each of those four teams because you will get a lot of benefit um, from having them, certainly in the first Origin week. The Dragons are a really interesting one. They have a buy in round 13 and then the third Origin around 18. So they only miss you only be missing um, over that one Origin week. So I would suggest up to four Dragons players, anywhere between two or four would be an ideal number. The Roosters are very interesting, and, and Ryan um, said earlier on the show about you know cheapies from the Roosters anyway, so they're a team you might be targeting. Now, they do miss round 12, but their next uh, buy is in round 16. So that's a, a good opportunity to pick up um, some Roosters players. I'd go as far as five um, Roosters players, uh, three to five. And the Eels, as I said earlier, I think you could pick six Eels players. Their buyers are in round 15 and round 16. And uh, you can certainly start to formulate a, um, a team around Eels players because we know they're playing well. And also that round 19 buy, which is a little bit dangerous, that can catch you out if you've got too many players uh, from those four teams, Dogs, Cowboys, Raiders and Tigers. The Eels 
even though they're both their buyers aren't in origin, it's not in round 19 either, rounds 13 and 16. So gives you some ideas to look at in regards to, to buyers. Maybe how you're trying to formulate your team, you're trying to get a nucleus there from those seven teams. And the other nine, you're, sort of, you're looking at it as we get closer to each buy round. Okay, they're available that first week, so I can pick a couple from them when I do my trades. Or the second um, buy week where some of you guys that were available in, in the first one aren't, you're trying to sort of mix and match then. And of course, as Pete said earlier, keep listening to our show because we're on every week, www.supercoachpros.com or follow us on Twitter for any questions at supercoachpros. And uh, we're going to get some Twitter questions and Facebook questions. Of course, we've got the Facebook page up there now, Supercoach Pros, a bit later in the show. Uh, we've got our preview now, and that's looking through the final four teams um, that we haven't looked at yet. If you want to look at the other 12 teams, we've basically done the top eight, um, plus uh, teams nine to 12. Uh, in the first three weeks of our season previews, or first first three parts. You can find them on the website as well, www.supercoachpros.com or on iTunes. The Warriors uh, finished 13th last year. Ryan, pretty much they'd gone from likely top four uh, candidates when Sean Johnson went down, injured in late July, to not even managing to, you know, well, finishing bottom four. Can they turn it around this year? They've bought excellently They've got Sean Johnson back, as we heard from Pat earlier in the show. He looks good to go. What's going to happen this year for New Zealand uh, Warriors, Ryan? Well, much like Parramatta, I think um, if this is the year, then this is the year the Warriors have really got to... um, They should finish in the top eight. They should. And most likely will go close to the top four, if not the top four, depending, of course, on fortunes um, to do with the injuries, um, because a lot does ride um, on that man we were talking about just before and Sean Johnson. Um, look, Hoffman is another one. Um, he's now captain as well, so that might um, help out his performances. Um, and... Um, a guy from last year who who was quite good, whose price has probably been indicated this year um, in Bodine Thompson, um, is another one. And one more, I think, Ben Madalino is a guy who, yeah, is quite dominant. Now, we talked about him before. If he plays in, as a prop in, on field, then um, he puts up better points. If he plays a bit wider, then his points aren't, aren't as prolific. Yeah, that's right. Um, do you see them making the top eight? Um, yeah, look, I think they do. I think they do make the eight. I'm not sure where. Uh, they should make the four if they're all healthy. Pete, how do you see the Warriors going in 2016? Yeah, um, it's make or break for the Warriors, as we said, um, particularly for Andrew McFadden. Um, you, you hear the, the, the rumours already after the the big loss on the weekend of the Dragons in a trial, but it's um, it, there's rumours that not all is happy in the Warriors camp even now. So, the, you know, if they put it all together, they could do anything. This mob, um, yeah, as we said, the purchase of Tuivasa Shek and Isaac Luke is is tremendous. Um, I'm a big believer in buying winners to win. Tuivasa Shek has won a premiership. Isaac Luke, you know, more or less, did with South having been suspended for the grand final. Uh, like you said, I agree with Ben Madalino as a as a player for Supercoach. I think he's tremendous. Um, 
I think the Warriors, I'll tip them to make the eight uh, and to play their typical ad-lib style. I think they'll make it to eight. It's my prediction for them. Yeah, I think, like you, that, that they'll sneak in there. I've actually got them sixth, but but I think there's a gap between the top five and then six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So they could finish anywhere between sort of sixth and then tenth, depending on a couple of games. Uh, I do see them getting in there. I know the trial, you know, yes, you can be a bit weary, but it is only a trial game. I'm not going to overreact. I think Ryan, Ryan's right. Tuvasa Shek, I think he's a must-own in Supercoach. I think what he showed last year, I don't think the move will be that big a deal. We talked about Sean Johnson at the start of the show. He looks good to go. You know, yes, the Warriors don't, their buys are on origin weeks, but you still have a guy likely healthy around that time. I'm not too worried about returning from the injury. Uh, Isaac Luke, I'm probably steering clear from. Simon Mannering, maybe a little high, but certainly one that you'd want to bring in at some point. And I do agree with Ben Madalino. We're going to actually, we've got a Twitter question about him, among others. I think we mentioned a little bit last week. Uh, some of the other ones that are a more affordable price, like Solomon Carter, would be worth at least a watch list. And um, I would be intrigued with Bodine Thompson. But again, the price might just be a little bit of a concern. And Ryan, what about the Titans? How do you think they'll go this year? Um, yeah, look, I think the Titans will probably finish last or close to it. Um, I'll have a few bright spots up super coach wise in Ash Taylor. I think he's a good, um, to begin with, he'll be a good cash cow, uh, whether or not he goes on to be a guy that you keep in your team. Um, I guess you'll wait and see. Um, the other guy who they did pick up who I think will be very good for them, um, is Chris McQueen and, um, William Zillman. I think there's the, the, Probably the upsides that I can think about um, in the Gold Coast side. Um, yeah, I, I'm struggling to find any any more, to be honest. Yeah, it's, uh, I tend to agree. It's going to be a tough year for them. Uh, what about what about you, Pete? Differing at all? They did overperform, I thought, in the nines. I thought they played well. Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, like looking at the the raw side from last year to this year, you think, oh, well, who are two of their best players? And your answer is James Roberts and Aiden Caesar, and they've both departed, unfortunately. Um, yeah, as Ryan said, the acquisition of Chris McQueen is a good one. The vibe out of the camp does seem to be pretty good. The loss of Kane Elgy though is is massive, and he would have been a good one for for Supercoach also. Um, when you talk about consistent players, um, you know, he didn't score as, as well as I would have thought last year. It was a bloke called Brian James, the second row. He's only 298,000. Uh, um, mm. Maybe he's sort of one of those middle-of-the-road ones that um, you might, uh, you know, when you're talking last he's, week about middle-of-the-road players, he might be a good one. But um, He's playing more on the edge, isn't he? And, and yeah. I'm worried that he's not going to get the same points that he does when he plays middle third. Well, there there is talk that he might play uh, prop as well because um, they got a couple of players out, I think, in round one, possibly. So it it just depends on how that goes, I guess. But uh, yeah, I can't see him doing any good, unfortunately. 
Where do you see them finishing, Pete? I see them finishing last. Yeah, well, I've got to agree with you guys. I've got them last. And, you know, the Tigers, maybe I'm being a bit uh, biased because t- we're going to talk about the Tigers and they're very close to last, in my opinion. But I have put the Titans at, at last. Look, Supercoach-wise, at least you've got some options. Ignatius Parsi, I think, is a great option. He looked really good in the nines, um, played, played well again against Parramatta a couple of weeks ago. I, I think Eddie Port- Pettibourne's one to at least circle. Um, you know, maybe he's not in your lineup to start with. Pete mentioned Ryan James. That's not a bad option. But we need to see if he's playing middle third, I, I think. Greg Bird, we talked about him last week as a draft option. A little bit pricey for your normal leagues. And then there's Ash Taylor. You know, the one benefit of Kane Elgy being out is Taylor comes in. He's 133000 It's a great price. He's bound to go up, but we don't know how long. Could he be another Albert Kelly? I guess to be coach owners hope, but, but at least you'll get a bit out of him. Let's move on now to that team, the Tigers. Ryan, our team, they've been pretty disappointing um, since Jason Taylor took over pretty much. Can he turn it around and can they turn it around this year? Um, look, I don't think if turning around by meaning you mean making the eight, then no. Um, look, I think <laughs> anything, if they finish anywhere above 14th, it's going to be a surprise. Um, they have, look, um, Tedesco is obviously their gun uh, player at the moment. Um, I think he set up four tries or something in the trial on the weekend. Um, obviously, um, Aaron Woods, um, in the Fords and Tim Smona in the centres. They're, um, they're, Robbie Farrah's injured, um, so he'll be missing the first four to six weeks. Um, Ballant will miss the first three weeks or something like that. Um, so a nice little cheapy get may well would just be Manaya Charrington, um, who could make you some cash um, until those guys come back. Yeah, not a bad option at all. Um, we talked about Charrington last year, didn't we? But he always promised, wasn't quite delivering, but geez, he looked good in the trial um, against the Sharks. I actually thought that, that he added something when he came on for Farah. So maybe he's um, just taking that next step and definitely the, is the right price. Look, I've got them finishing 15th. I think they'll be lucky to, to finish there. I don't think Taylor's going to um, see out the year. There are some good cheapies with Jordan Rankin, 145000 Looks like he's going to get a go now with Justin Hunt's injury. Um, he has looked good. Michael Cheekham's one of Andrew's favourites. He's certainly one to at least put on the watch list. He might get a bench spot there. Um, and Josh Adokar, we've mentioned before, doesn't look like he's going to play in round one at this at this stage, but... Maybe he gets in there. And, and I thought Tim Grant played well in that trial game on the weekend against the Sharks. So 231000 might be a bit of a money earner for you as well. Peter, how do you see the Tigers going? Um, yeah, it's it's tough at the bottom end of the table as well as at the top end to sort it out. Um, they, they've got some real talent in their, in, their, in their team overall. I'd like to, as you 
mentioned by blokes like James Tedesco is outstanding. He's got replay written all over him. Aaron Woods, you know, he's well documented. I think it's a great decision uh, to make him captain this year. Um, and and Farris seemed quite happy about that too, at least on the surface. Um, but yeah, yeah, Luke Brooks and so on there. But yeah, you, you'd be, if you can get um, someone like Tedesco in your team, it's great. Um, as you mentioned, uh, there's a great idea with the with the two main hookers out to to, to purchase the third guy for as a cheap. I think that's a that's an excellent option to get Cherrington. Um, another guy, I'll just throw this name out there. Um, he didn't have a great year at Canberra last year, um, and he's come to the Tigers this year as a second rower. If he's able to start and not just be on the bench, he's, he's I would have thought he'd be more an 80 minute player as Joel Edwards. Um, yeah, he didn't play last year for Canberra. Had um, some issues there, but certainly 2014 was a better year for him. Yeah, um, I agree. One fifty nine thousand could be could be worth it. Yeah, that's what I think. He had a great reputation up in Newcastle as, as a real meter eater and, and and tackler. So no, I'd, uh, I think he's a, a, a worthwhile uh, worthwhile option. Just keep an eye on him for the first uh, round or two. And as you said, if your comp doesn't start to win ball. It give you a bit of an idea of what's happening, as we know the Tigers have got a bit of a soft draw to start with. Um, but yeah, I once again I said I can't see him making the eight. It'd be a massive surprise, and Taylor would get to keep his job and everything. It'd be wonderful, but um, I think um, I can, can't see him finishing above fifteenth. I'm sorry, guys. Can <laughs> uh, I agree? Can I agree? Uh, Ryan, finally Newcastle Knights have uh, got a new coach in Nathan Brown. Some exciting youngsters, at least from a supercoach perspective, but what can they do on the field? Um, look, they'll finish above the Tigers and the Titans probably, um, but that'll be about it. Um, <laughs> look, I think that... Um, yeah, there's uh, there'll be some teething problems um, Nathan, with Nathan Brown. I mean, there already is with the Joseph Depine uh, issue. Um, yeah, I, the Knights with Hodgkin, Hodkinson, sorry, um, he might bring something to them. Uh, I'm not sure how he'll mesh with Mullen, but I think they're probably their two best um, super coach options um, in terms of um, consistent consistent point scorers. I am I am interested in seeing Brock Lamb um, playing again in the trials. I do agree with you. Hodkinson's going to get the, the start there with Mullen, but, geez, 113,000. That could be interesting. Um, Jake Mamo, I think Danny Levy, as we've spoken about before, I think they're, they're a couple of guys to look at. Uh, Kate Snowden was so good last year. I'm not sure if he's going to replicate at that price. Um, but certainly you, you could do worse, particularly in draft leagues. And I guess Paulie Paulie is a guy you're at least watching. I, I think he's a bit overrated. I didn't wasn't that impressed with him in Parramatta. But he has the size. He's 144,000. It could be worth a look. Um, the Knights, I think they'll finish 12th. I think they'll win enough to to be a bit better. They'll show improvement. I do like some of the younger players. We'll see how they develop under Nathan Brown. Pete, what do you think? Um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, once again, Newcastle, yeah, haven't, 
haven't really bought a lot. Uh, Trent Hodkinson, as we said, didn't have the greatest season um, at Canterbury last year. It was okay. Um, bit of a fall from grace from a former New South Wales halfback to get him losing the position at his club. Um, but yeah, he's gone to Newcastle. Um, if either he or the talented but injury-prone Jared Mullen go down injured, man, it could be a very, very long season for the for uh, for the Newcastle Knights. Um, the, the two of the Matarotia brothers up there, of course, are talented. We've mentioned Jake Marmo and Denny Levi numerous times on the show. This whole fiasco with uh, or saga, I should say, I guess, with uh, Tarpany as uh, Ryan took the words out of my mouth. He's gone to Canberra. Uh, no real surprise there. Um, but it is a disappointing loss. He's a, he's a talented player for them. Um, yeah, Snowden, I agree, 405000 is probably a little bit pricey this year. Um, but I guess, you know, he did well in a team that was, you know, averaging 64 last year in a team that was, you know, going nowhere. Um, he's doing a lot of the work. I'll say this for Newcastle under Nathan Brown. I think the younger players will develop a bit better. Um, the problems up in Newcastle, you know, appear to be somewhat off the field and attitude, and I think Nathan Brown will be knocking those out of them right at this very minute. Um, I think you'll see a far more disciplined Newcastle team this year that will play at the 80 minutes, and there won't be too many floggings. But I really, on talent alone, I'm sorry, Brownie, I like the guy, but um, I can't see him... Uh, getting too far along, probably, I say about thirteenth, fourteenth uh, for Newcastle. All right, guys, uh, it is that time of the uh, podcast where we've got to look at our Twitter and Facebook questions. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Supercoach Pros or like our Facebook page there, Supercoach Pros, and uh, send us your questions. We're very more than happy. To, uh, to answer them. Let's start with Shane Errington. Uh, at Supercoach Pros, do you think Fenson, Matalino and Merrin will get enough game time to warrant selection in my Supercoach side? Ryan, uh, we've spoken a fair bit of Matalino the last few weeks, but uh, what do you think about all three of those those big-name, big performers? Yep. They'll certainly get the game time, that's for damn sure. Um, uh it just depends on how the, how they go. You know, Fensom's generally going to uh, get you some points with his um, non-stop tackling, and Madalino if he plays in that middle third. Um, Marin, I'm not entirely sure of what his role is going to be with Penrith, but I guess you've got three rounds to have a look at him. Um, and yeah, if it's no good, then you sub him out then. But I think those three will definitely get the game time needed. Yeah, Marin's going to play. You'd think 70 minutes, similar to what he did. At St George, Fenson maybe the first few rounds. Um, Stewart brought him along slower last year, but he by the end of the season he was playing eighty. You know, it's the first time he finished a season I think in three years. Um, so it worked. It you know playing eighty at the start, I think he ran out of you know the endurance factor caught up with him. So I'm not worried with those players. Um, you know, PTC then any differently. I, I think all three are, are worthy of being put in your lineup to from from round one. Yeah, listen, I think the questioner is basically asking whether he thinks they're going to play 80 minutes or, you know, close to. Yeah, absolutely agree with uh, Sean Fence and Madalino. Uh, Merrin was played a bit differently last year with the Dragons. He was coming off the bench a little bit at times. It just depended. Sometimes he's starting, sometimes off the bench. But, yeah, I, you would think, you know, Penrith haven't forked out, you know, 600 grand a season, whatever, to, to give him 40 minutes. So, you know... They don't have a lot of big 
players, do they, in that middle? They have a lot of guys like Peachy, Cartwright, ball playing yeah. forwards. They need the bulk. Merrin's going to provide it in spades. Absolutely, yeah. He'll be he'll be up the guts and you'd think he would be there. Yeah, absolutely, all three of them. Speaking of Penrith, Stephen Rostizky asks, if Will Smith gets named on the bench, does that make Seggy, James Seguiara, a no-go zone? Uh, Ryan, he did okay last year, even though Apisai Coruscant was there. Yeah, look, I think it's one of those ones you have a watch out. I actually hadn't thought about that. Um, and, yeah, and he did play there on the weekend, uh, Will Smith, I mean. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look... I think so. He's still he's still got value, regardless of price, because he well everyone knows what he's capable of. Um, yes, last year wasn't as good as the year before, but um, yeah, I, I still think he's there, and I still think he's worth having a look at to begin with. And this feeds into our, our next question: um, Sambo Rambo, Seggy, or Andrew McCulloch? Is it a case of high ceiling versus consistency? Is there more to it? I'm looking to win a head-to-head comp, which is what we spoke about in detail earlier in the show so that would help but uh, Pete you know thinking of of, of Seguiero you know the game time McCulloch's not going to play 80 he'll probably play close to 80 but Nicarima will probably come off the bench there um, but he is the more consistent performer yes um, yeah it's a, it's not an easy question to answer actually um, thinking about last year as you said uh, McCulloch once again like this bloke is an absolute little little terrier um, you know tackles everything that moves I wonder he and Sean Fenton related, actually, but um, <laughs> he was seriously like he'd, he'd just go, go crazy, make, you know, top the tackle crown quite regularly for the Broncos. Um, yes, just as a slight edge, I'd stick with McCulloch, I think, um, and particularly when he's in a, I think, a better performing team. There's, there's probably less of a question mark over McCulloch and Sigiaro. Uh, the other uh, Twitter person just raised that question question about Will Smith and Sigiaro. We don't have really have that issue as much with McCulloch. Um, I think, yeah, I'd, I would stick with McCulloch, but you probably couldn't go wrong with either. He's $30,000 more expensive. We've got the Will Smith situation developing. Um, I don't really like Sigiaro this year. Brisbane are going to be a top four team. Penrith could be a bottom four team. I think, I don't yeah, if Andrew was on the shade, probably we'd probably be having a debate right now. And he's a big James Seguiero fan. And let's face it, you know, two years ago, three years ago, he was awesome. Last year, stepped back a bit. Injuries didn't help him. I like McCulloch. I like um, that stability. Probably leaning towards him at this stage, particularly when you're looking at other positions where you can go a bit more risk versus uh, a risk reward. Um, let's have a look at. A Facebook question now from Kev, a, a, a two-parter or a dual question. I'm in a 10-man draft league. Last season was my first attempt at fantasy football. I came dead last. <laughs> Looking at the players I drafted, you'd swear I was on the drink. I'm planning on drafting forwards only for the first six rounds. Can I get some feedback on this strategy? And I guess, you know, you, you've got to look at, we've got to assume that it is a super coach draft um, league because obviously different leagues have different rules um, but we did do the draft, I hope Kev that you were able to um, download last week's show where we looked in depth in, into the draft and did our own mock draft, it is very critical that any draft you do 
it's fluid. You need to be able to go in with strategies that will change and are able to be changed. If your strategy is just to draft forwards and everyone ahead of you has already drafted the best, drafted the best forwards, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Now, obviously, your league, as we mentioned last week's show, might be weighted towards points for forwards. So you still might score more points with a top-end forward as you would with the best halfback or the best fullback. But once again, if you're picking after a bunch of players who've all picked the best, the cream of that position, what are you getting? You know, you do you just take the scraps of the dinner meal or do you take the best dessert on the menu? And that's how you've got to look at it. So be very careful drafting um, or going with any set plan without being adaptable to, to change. Um, and I'd recommend downloading our podcast from last week there at www.supercoachpros.com for more details. Second question is around funny team names. For lack of an imagination, I named my team after my favourite player, Chase Blair. Do you guys have a suggestion for a funny team name? Pete, I've got to throw this one to you because I believe you're in a, in a league actually called the Chase Blair Cup. Yes, I was. Um, it's been <laughs> renamed this year, though. Um, the reason it was named the Chase Blair Cup was because it was... Uh, uh, the And this was not done by me. I was not the administrator. I've <laughs> been running a few years. The administrator might have the same wavelength as Kev. <laughs> might, he might. Um, yeah, it was called the Chase Blair Cup because uh, in the belief that... Um, it was uh, it was named after the worst player in the competition, and a couple of the people in the in the competition decided that Chase Blair was the worst sort of regular first grader. Uh, um, no one here at Supercoach Pros uh, endorsed that. We love yeah. all the players that play uh, the wonderful exactly. game in the NRL. <laughs> exactly. Um, I've I've seen some good names. Some I can't repeat. Um. <laughs> um yeah, no, there's all sorts of names out there. Like, I, I think you should be a little bit imaginative, not just stick with things like uh, one of my mates I uh, used to work with his team. He went for the Roosters, and he said one of his mates was in a competition called his team uh, the Sydney Roosters. Like, you know, I think we can be a little bit more imaginative than that. <laughs> um, I, I would try and maybe link it back to something that a few people in the comp are aware of, not something that's just particular to yourself. Um but, uh, yeah, one of my uh, colleagues, he goes on the internet, he goes and finds some, um, his team is called the Squirrels, and they usually got some other little a Greek mythological title or something in the first part of their name. Another guy calls his team after, um, if any of you listeners out there remember the great uh, English comedy show, The Young Ones, and there was a segment <laughs> on there about uh, the scum, they were up at, uh, their team name was in that. Uh, a university challenge was Scumbag College, and so that guy calls his team Scumbag College after that. Um, so there's all sorts of um, uh, names getting around at the moment. Um, but, yeah, so there's some of the things that you, you might want to take into account. Ryan, is it true with Supercoach names you, you pick the name of your first pet and your first street, or am I thinking of something else? <laughs> your porn name. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, look, I don't know. For humorous ones, I guess you can pick, yeah. Pick something has happened in the off-season because Lord knows there's enough of them. Um, yeah, and you can um, 
do a play on words about something to do with Mitchell Pierce and dogs or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kev, I hope we've been able to uh, answer those questions for you and for all our other Twitter and Facebook followers and uh, Facebook friends there. It's time, time for the end of the show. Thanks, guys. Um, next week, we're off in earnest, so we'll be talking more then. Ryan, thank no you worries. very much. And Pete, thank you as well. Thank you. Always a pleasure. And Andrew will be back with us next week where we look at overall plus breakdown round one because the teams will be announced by the time we're good to go. And if you just can't wait to next Tuesday, make sure you log on to www.supercoachpros.com because you can see uh, our in-depth NRL teams, our predictions for all 16 teams, which will be up later in the week, as well as our one-on-one with Andrew Moldog, Molinaroli, and head-to-head leagues. Bye for now.